Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. Hi, I'm Riley. And I'm John Mark. And you're listening to Breaking, Breaking Waves. Waves. I was in a taxi. I crashed. I don't know how I got here. You have been in a coma for four days. We couldn't find any identification with you. What's your name? I'm Dr. Martin Harris. I've been gone for four days. My wife is out there in a city she doesn't know. Liz. Do I know you? What's wrong? It's me. Your husband. I need to know what happened. We just had some clips from the Liam Neeson movie Unknown, which is one of his uh, better action vehicles, I would say. And it just so happens that the topic of the unknown is the theme of today's show, right, John? Yes, his character was quite um, in quite a state there, wasn't he? Confused. Yeah, and it's funny because like it's a whole genre of like suspense cinema and in fiction as well this theme of amnesia thrillers where the central character is someone who can't remember their past and they're having to sort of piece things together it's a very reliable formula for an engrossing sort of tale isn't it indeed it's a scary thing um, the unknown sometimes and that's something we're going to look into that's right and um as with uh, last week's show, we uh, sourced some uh, interviews as well, some questions of people to define it. So we've got those for you here. The unknown is something we lack an understanding of. It can be good or bad, scary or exciting. It's just that which we don't know yet. Uh, the unknown is anything that hasn't made itself present to you as of yet, whether that's emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually. What's unknown in absolution, as in information that hasn't made itself available for our consumption, remains absent and uses present knowledge to form a most coherent understanding. The idea that we can know what we don't know when the we identifies as our conscious brain and the knowing hidden in the subconscious. Yes, we just heard from my friends Nicholas Brady and Rennie Brown Walsh um, in uh, collecting these interviews for the show. Uh, John suggested that I um, just throw it to people uh, sort of randomly for, um, you know, so sort of off the cuff. And with Nick and Rennie, they didn't prepare beforehand. I just got my phone out and just recorded their definition so yeah now i think it's interesting to get some um varied ideas on uh, subject matter yeah and um to be uh a bit more like concrete we do have the more conventional definition indeed i went to the interwebs again and uh basically the same definition everywhere the first one is uh unknown uh one that is not well known so hmm. that uh, refers to a person. Now, in past times, the biblical sense of knowing someone was a little bit different to what it is now. It was uh, a more intimate, let's say, uh, physical knowledge of someone. Intercourse, perhaps. Yeah. 
and uh, that's not really used so much like that these days. When you talk about someone that's unknown, it's just someone you don't know well, as that uh, definition so states. So the, the carnal knowledge thing, is uh, that was something that was illegal. I don't know if it still is, but because that's a term that is a sort of now kind of archaic legal term or concept um, for, I don't think like pe- young people today would know what that meant. No, they don't really speak in a bibli- using yeah. biblical terminology right. these yeah, days. Yeah. But it's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Mm. Uh, this person knew that person. And, mm, mm. Uh, it's alluding to that, um, that kind of intimacy. Uh, the second definition is uh, something that requires discovery, identification, or clarification. So that speaks to a thing, which I guess includes um, objects um, as well as concepts. So one of your friends last week, Anna, um, who was talking about wisdom, echoed the idea that you often hear from wise elderly people, (laughs) and that is that the more you know, the less you know. That's a kind of interesting idea. It kind of uh, speaks to the idea that... uh, Knowledge doesn't bring you more knowledge sometimes. What's that all about? Well, it's an increased awareness, I think, of, um, to quote my grandfather, mankind's ignorance. Um, because, yeah, with that wisdom comes that awareness of just the sheer amount that we do not know, which is something that uh, perhaps a more shallow or more frivolous kind of person wouldn't be considering Sure, and, and Ken Wheeler also spoke about that on the last program too, about how you can fill your head up with all kinds of information and knowledge, but it doesn't really uh, help you do anything necessarily to have a head full of information. Mm. Uh, really, uh, uh, what we learned last week was uh, wisdom is all about knowing what to do with the information you've got. Yeah, that's right. Now, John, I believe that uh, you have a song for us this week. Yes, on the theme of uh, The Great Unknown, this is Sade.
That was Sade with The Big Unknown that was used in the soundtrack of the movie Widows and that starred Liam Neeson as well. Well, rather, he had a cameo in the prologue and then he gets killed off and the wives of the dead criminals have to complete the heist without them. Um, The thing about criminals is that they operate in uh, secret, so their dealings are not meant to be known to the wider public and... Uh, in a sense, there's a lot of aspects of our society that function in that same way, right, John? Indeed. Um, in a lot of ways, um, information and knowledge is compartmentalized um, when it comes to government. Um, certainly in the military, um, it's all about uh, need to know. Um, nobody knows anything except what they're ordered to do at the time, generally speaking. There is a way back, Laura, and then I shall come to you. I shall offer my secret to the world with all its terrible power. The nations of the world will bid for it, thousands, millions. The nation that wins my secret can sweep the world with invisible armies. That was a clip from the 1933 horror classic The Invisible Man, directed by James Whale. The governments of the world bidding for an invisible army. Yes, science and technology is one kind of informational knowledge that is uh, closely guarded. Yeah, of course. And as you say, interests of national security 
um, it seems that uh, with these new frontiers and this cutting-edge science, there is this direct line leading from that into the military-industrial complex, the defense forces. One of the examples of uh, a kind of hidden motivation underpinning things is that with the rollout of a lot of the technology with smartphones and Wi-Fi, I remember about just over a decade ago when these things became much more commonplace and suddenly seemed like overnight all these people were using these devices and they there was this huge uptake in the sort of literacy, the technology literacy with people using these smart devices and what the people don't realize is that the devices are also using them uh, for all the data mining which becomes this new form of currency and um, of course it's not just... Uh, to feed your information to advertising, but it is also about tracking and surveillance. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's easy to unknowingly become entangled in these uh, technologies. <laughs> yeah, we, we live in an age where we're surrounded by all of this magic. Um, magic's a very real thing now. We, we've got another word for it now. We call it science and technology and industry. But it's basically the same thing that hundreds of years ago people referred to as magic. Magic is just uh, a technology or a process that is hidden, mm. that is not understood. Yes. It's magical. Electricity is magic to most people, mm. um, even to a lot of engineers. Um, a lot of our technology, as you were saying, the mobile phone and the computer... Um, are mysterious things, um, and I've studied them um, at a tertiary level, and they're still mysterious things. There's lots of things about uh, computers and programming that is um, esoteric almost. Mm. It's simply been uh, renamed as technology. Um, there's that old joke or that idea of you take a person, time travel them, from the 1500s and they would think that everything is like demonic like being controlled by demons like you could hold up a smartphone and then it's like a picture of your face in the phone and you could be like help my spirit is trapped in the phone and stuff and you could really like just do a number on a person who doesn't have any point of reference for the kind of tech that we are just using taking for granted every day science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke had the famous quote any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I would assert that a lot of the scientific ideas and beliefs that underpin our world are magical. I mean, wasn't it Isaac Newton who said, who described gravity as an occult force? So what Newton actually meant there is that what he was presenting in that book was a mathematical description of gravity as a force. Uh, but what he stated right at the beginning, as you pointed out, was that the explanation of gravity is still a mystery. And that's what he wrapped up with that word occult. Now, that's an interesting word. has a few connotations and connections. What do you uh, think of when you think of the occult, Riley? Well, I immediately start to think of sort of devilish kind of stuff like cults themselves and rituals and 
dark magic, black magic, evil forces. Witches. Yeah. Broomsticks. Pen- pentagrams. Yeah, sorcerers. Yeah. Um, but what does uh, what is the actual definition of occult? Uh, something that's unknown, hidden. You gotta tell me what's wrong. It's that swamp permit, Mom. What happened? Did he hurt you? No, not exactly. Did he threaten you? No. What then? He's a werewolf. Oh, I don't have time for this. But come on, Mom, you gotta listen to me. You and Dad base everything on science, right? Things you can prove and explain. But what if the world isn't always like that? What if you knew something was true, but you couldn't prove it? Something horrible, you you knew it could never be explained. What would you do then? That was a clip from Goosebumps, the werewolf of Fever Swamp. Goosebumps was really the franchise, the books more so than the show, that got me interested in horror when I was a kid. And uh, speaking of childhood, I do recall in primary school I did this report on vampires because, of course, I was fascinated with the horror genre and I think it really was the element of the unknown, the occult about that genre that drew me to it. The it was because I grew up in an irreligious family, so my only kind of real exploration of of a more metaphysical kind of life was through supernatural fiction, through horror fiction. Anyway, um, so I did this report on vampires and I talked a lot about the different vampire lore, the different mythology and how it was altered from various cultures and a teacher that I had uh, not my teacher, but a teacher who was who was there. Um, I said, you know, you know, it's not real, right? And I remember that really kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. And uh, I remember thinking about what an arrogant point of view that is, what an arrogant position to take to presume that you know whether something exists or not. Um, and it's an, an illusion that I think a lot of grown-ups... Um, uh, operating under and it's why in all these stories when kids are dealing with these unknown adversaries the parents and the school teachers are utterly useless to help them it's a rule of thumb in a in a goosebumps story um and what about you john was there stuff that really captured your imagination that was scary in in fiction and media when you were a kid uh, I think as a little kid, the most uh, scary boogeyman I came across was uh, in Doctor Who. They were these creatures called the Cybermen, who I found absolutely terrifying. They probably because they had human form and they were, um, they, uh, they're like these robots that look like people, right? Yeah, and they were kind of fairly evil, like the Daleks. All the Daleks didn't scare me. They were just like vacuum cleaners Mm. running around the place. But the Cybermen um, really terrified me. Uh, It was, uh, I guess, because of the transhuman sort of element Mm. to it, um, made them... I used to think they were under my bed all the time. Mm. You know Mm. when you're a little kid and you lie in bed and think of monsters under the bed? The other big boogeyman for me was uh, Darkness... I was quite uh, scared of uh, the dark, mm. and actually that followed me into adulthood. 
and I've pretty much dealt with it now. I don't feel scary when I walk around in dark places now. Um, not that kind of um, fear of the unknown, not that spooky scariness that I used to get uh, when I was much younger. Um, and it was just about fear of the mm. unknown, really. And I think um, fear is a big motivator for most people in our day-to-day lives. Fear of losing your job, you know, fear of being rejected, fear of whatever. And fear of the unknown is is huge. And in fact, uh, a lot of people spend a lot of money buying insurance policies to try and allay that fear, to give them a sense of security about the uncertainty of the world we live in and the world is a beautifully uncertain thing thank goodness we don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow because then uh, the universe would just be a big clock winding down Mm. (laughs) and although there are scientists materialists who believe that that's what the universe is that's not the world i live in a mass intelligence are you listening do you understand me? Now that I have released you, ah! let me go. I set you free. It was our bad. You belong to us. You shall be like us. The Cybermen are pretty creepy. They're notoriously creepy. Is I think it's a tradition in England for children to hide behind the sofa whenever they showed up on the screen a famous british pastime but the thing about them that is so scary is the soullessness of them the fact that they resemble people they're humanoid in a physical sense but they have completely evacuated their sense of self their sense of individuality and been subsumed by this like machine like hive mind kind of yeah a modern version of that would be the borg collective in um was it star trek Mm, the borg collective yeah they they become part of the hive mind and lose their their individuality their sovereignty Mm. their their own conscious uh contemplation i guess i can see why that concept would be terrifying for a free thinking non-conformists like yourself john they were just scary looking to me all silver and uh yeah with beady little holes in Mm. their head and shaving cream used to come out their mouth when they when they died which was also um terrifying to see so getting back to the subject of occult one of the groups of people that is most associated with the concept of occultism is witches and witches covens And uh, most famously, historically, there was this period of time in the 1600s in which a lot of women were uh, persecuted and even burned at the stake. The witch hunts. That's right. Though, as I've said, little is known today of the actual practice of witchcraft in 17th century New England, superstition, fear, and jealousy drove the Puritans to accuse their friends and relatives of consorting with the devil. Raiding around huge bonfires, repeating vindictive chants, they consigned the poor creatures to the flames. The tortured souls cried out in agony as the flames mounted higher and higher. Burn, witch! Burn, witch! Burn, burn, burn! Dig that crazy beat. Shh! And burn they did by the thousands. That was a clip of Christopher Lee in the movie Horror Hotel, a British film from 1960, also known as 
City of the Dead. Why do you think it was that the powers that were back in those times were so scared of women living in the forest? Mm-hmm. I think, well, this speaks to ideas of paganism because uh, the idea, of, and it's sort of uh, this opposition between pagans and the church and organized religion. And to my way of thinking, uh, the pagan archetype represents a person who is in harmony with the cycles and the workings of uh, the natural world and understands those things. And the clergy, the religious organization, represents that which wishes to control, subjugate, and conquer these these forces. Hence the reason why um, a lot of these uh, forces of nature were um, personified as being something bad. Or, Pan, or for example, evil associated with um, sin and uh, corruption. Mm, the the Pan Piper, um, and of course, nature uh, for a domesticated person is the ultimate kind of unknown, isn't it? Yeah, the great unknown, the natural world. So the witches were thought to be consorting with the devil and uh, making pacts with him. And uh, in a sense, the devil is the ultimate big boogeyman at the head of all these scary bad guys. You know, he really sits atop the throne, doesn't he, John? Yep. Uh, And he is, he really represents evil personified. Uh, And for someone like myself, who's grown up in a uh, secular, irreligious kind of environment, He's just a the devil's just a fairy story, um, and I suppose it brings to mind that quote from The Usual Suspects: "The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he doesn't exist." You see, that would be such a boon for the devil if uh, no one believed in him; he could just operate with impunity. And of course, we live in an age now where uh, a lot of people don't really think deeply about uh, the soul or spiritual matters and uh, concepts like uh, God and the devil and spirits and the spirit world. Um, they are unknown to most. And they're f- uh, put in the category of uh, fancy, uh, f- fantasy. mm mm-hmm. That's right. Well, that's it from us today, folks. But uh, next week, join us again as we ascend from the topic of the unknown to that which is... The great unknowable. Been John Mark? No. I'm Riley Thomas. <laughs> and we've just swapped bodies, and we'll see you. You'll hear us next week. I am Mark Harris. I didn't forget everything. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.